Welcome to another edition of the Superflight Podcast, your Jean Mironian NBA podcast. Because like Miro, a lot of things that say James Harden and Russell Westbrook and oh LeBron James and Kevin Durant and all of these guys are doing on the court is very surreal. That's all I'm saying. Welcome to the show, everybody. It is Sunday, March 26th. I recorded this two nights ago on Friday night, but I'm just getting around to doing the editing now, so I'm giving you the beginning right now. Um, I'm your host, as usual, Joe Borelli, and uh, if you guys and gals want to follow the show and you want to reach out and say hi, you can do so in a number of ways. You can follow the show uh, at the Almighty Baller Podcast Network at almightyballer.com. You can follow along on the superflightpodcast.com. You can listen to all the shows there. You can tweet at the show or follow the show on Twitter at superflightpod. You can follow me personally at Joe Borelli. You can follow on Facebook. You can follow on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes. And if you follow on iTunes, please rate and leave a review so that other people can find the show. Because when you like it and rate it and review it, other people, I guess it gains traction and it becomes easily... What much easier search? It comes up quicker in the searches, I guess, for other people when they're looking for NBA shows. And this is one, one of many, but one that you really enjoy. I know. Thank you. I enjoy you too. Uh, anyway, listen. So last week I made a little bit of a goof, and I said that uh, James Harden hadn't been selected to the All Star team last year. Not correct. He got in as a reserve, and I I fumbled the ball on that. So I just wanted to correct myself. But he didn't get it in in to any NBA teams. And we talk about that later because I goof it up again. And so I thought I'd correct it before I get there too. And before you actually hear me get corrected on the podcast. Um, And that there's another big blunder I had. Um, Last week on the opening, I used Dana Schutz as my opener, my, my opening artist that I usually do. Right. And boy, was that a mistake because I don't know if any of you follow what's happening. Not, not that it was a mistake because Dana Schutz is a terrible person or anything, or she's horrible or whatever. She's a good artist. That's why I mentioned her. It just happened to coincide with the fact that she made a painting of Emmett Till, um, who was a young black man and was murdered in the fifties. And uh, she painted this painting and put it in there. And I know that they meant they did this with good intentions, but it has been under a lot of fire lately. She's been getting a lot of heat for cultural appropriation and she didn't really think about it before she did. I'm not saying I'm not putting words in her mouth. I don't know the woman personally. I've met her once and she seemed very lovely. Um, I, I like her work, but it's usually very like romantic and whimsy, whimsical. And I know that, like, uh, I don't think, you know, I, I don't think there was any malicious intent in this, really. And I don't think she meant to speak for um, people of color when she has no idea about that as a white woman. I'm sure that was not the case. In when they asked her about it in the interview, they, you know, she said she was approaching it from the viewpoint of a mother. But even in that, you're, you know, it's it's not right. It, it should be taken down. And uh, I hope nobody thought that I was trying to make... Um, a point of having her as my opener just to stir headlines or just not, not stir head nobody's writing about the show but just to uh, grab your attention or anything like that I just literally did not realize I didn't know uh, it was just pure coincidence anyway um, you know if you happen to be in New York and you get to go to the Whitney you should go I haven't gone to this show yet I haven't been to the Whitney Biennial yet uh, I plan on going next weekend but we'll see we'll see how it goes anyway um, hopefully there will still be protests going on while I'm there, and it should be fun. Um, in other news, something that happened this week. Uh, so I was at an event, and um, I was drinking a little bit, not paying attention to what I was doing. You know, I, I mean, I was paying attention to what I was doing. I was just, you know, I, I was having a few beers. So I had to use the bathroom like one does when they have a few beers. Hanging out, and there's it's a really packed area, and you have to go down these stairs to get to the restroom. And uh, apparently, one of my friends let me know later, I almost knocked Chelsea Clinton down the stairs. Had no idea she was there. So, Chelsea Clinton, if you ever hear this, I'm that big jerk that almost knocked you down the stairs. I'm really sorry. I didn't know. I, I'm, I apologize. Um, big fan. Big fan. Uh yeah, anyway, I mean, you know, the the point is that, like, um, there is no point to any of this. This is a basketball podcast. I don't know why I'm telling you guys this. So there you go. Just a few fun little things that happened in my life this week. I'm going to cut it short 
because otherwise I'm going to ramble on about how, you know, when you have a platform and you have a medium and you're in the, the public view, you need to be very careful about the things you say and the things you do. For instance, if you have a podcast or if you're a painter and you paint something that you think is provocative in a good way and it turns out to be provocative in a really bad way, um, you really need to think those things through. And in, if in the case of a podcaster such as myself, I've gone down the road of saying some really stupid things that I have had to edit out. Not because I'm malicious, not because I'm a bad person, just because I don't think they're going to land the way they do. And luckily for me, I have people around me that keep me from making these stupid mistakes. I understand that uh, we all do this. I mean, when I was young, I said so many stupid things and I'm not so young anymore, but I still say so many things that are just really dumb and questionable. So please forgive my big mouth. I hope you enjoy listening to it and you're going to be able to listen to it uh, all over the place soon because I don't know if I'm even allowed to talk about it yet, but I will maybe next week. Um, so with having said all of that, uh, it's a big week of basketball coming up and Salman Ali is going to come up uh, and talk to me from, well, we talked the other night, but you'll hear the interview from um, Friday night when we talk about the Houston Rockets and James Harden's um, potential MVP candidacy and Mike D'Antoni's Coach of the Year candidacy and Eric Gordon's Sixth Man of the Year candidacy and um, uh, Daryl Morey's Executive of the Year candidacy. I got to stop saying candidacy. There's a lot of, it's a hard word to get out of your mouth, candidacy. Um, Anyway. All of that should be fun. Hang out, everybody. Um, And after these short commercial messages, we'll be right back. Today's Superflate sponsor is GlassesUSA.com, where you can get quality prescription glasses at up to 70% off retail price. At GlassesUSA.com, you can choose from a huge selection of frames in more than 2,500 styles. From in-house brands such as Muse and Amelia E, to designer brands like Ray-Ban, Oakley, Adidas, and Armani, GlassesUSA.com is the only website you'll ever... Oh, forget it. I keep making this joke. Go to GlassesUSA.com now and you can try on any pair of glasses using their virtual mirror feature by simply uploading a photo, importing from Facebook, or using the camera on your computer. I've done it myself. I really need glasses. I can't see without them. I went to GlassesUSA.com. I picked out a pair of glasses that I really like. I uploaded a picture of my own face, which is weird, by the way. But when you get to see yourself on the computer, forget it. Anyway, so you pick out the glasses you like. You align them on your face with the virtual mirror tool. There's an alignment tool so that you can't mess it up. They're going to look exactly how they'll look on your face when you buy them. There's no worry. If you're not completely satisfied, you can send it back and they'll return your money 100% within 14 days. So go to GlassesUSA.com now and enter promo code ALMIGHTY, that's A-L-M-I-G-H-T-Y, to get 55% off of any pair of glasses at checkout. Okay, now back to the show. Hey, is that audio clear? Yeah, I mean, it's clear enough. It's it's. It's clear enough for someone who pulled over along the side of the road and decided to call into a podcast. So yeah, it's great. I know. It's like, I know this area. So, like, this is like a after Rockets games and I have to record, like, an emergency podcast. I go to this park that I know of. Like, I used to go here all the time. So, it's not even, like, a, a creepy thing or anything like that. <laughs> Says you. I'm a little creeped out. <laughs> anyway. Salman Ali, welcome to the Super Flight Podcast. I'm recording already, so let's get into this thing. Since you want to get home All and right, watch the uh, Rockets game, and I, I want to go to bed. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so tell my listeners how they can find you and, and where they can uh, follow along and how listen how they can listen and read your stuff. Yeah, so uh, for uh, Twitter, you can follow me at Red Nation Hoops for the website. Uh, I own I own a website called RedNationHoops.com. We got lots of talented writers over there, um, and yeah, that's where you can find our stuff. And for we have a podcast, obviously the Red Nation News Red Nation News podcast, uh, and we're on the Almighty Bond Podcast Network. Awesome, yeah. This is obviously how we got in touch, but <laughs> uh, gotta lo- <laughs> gotta love the Almighty Baller. It's made my life so much easier finding guests. And thank you for coming on, by the way. Yeah, no problem. Uh, so we're going to talk a little bit tonight about uh, we're going to talk about the Rockets. Let's talk about Harden's MVP candidacy. We're going to talk about Eric Gordon as a sixth man candidate. Um, we're going to talk about D'Antoni, Mike D'Antoni, as a potential coach of the year. And uh, then we'll talk about how far the Rockets can go in the playoffs. Sound good to you? 
Sounds good. Cool, man. So let's start out with uh, Harden's MVP candidacy. So let me throw some numbers at you, which I'm sure you probably already know. So he's averaging, James Harden right now is averaging 29.4 points per game, 11.2 assists, which is crazy, um, uh, 8.1 rebounds, and he's eighth in real plus minus in the league, and he's third in the league in three points per game. Um, those sound like some really great MVP numbers to me. But I think even more than the numbers is the fact that he's just really controlling this team. He was moved this year from from the shooting guard, from starting shooting guard in D'Antoni's system to the starting point guard, which is kind of crazy because I don't think anyone in the league thought of James Harden as a point guard before this year. But D'Antoni obviously saw something in him that thought, you know, made him think. And I, I think he ran the point a little bit when he was in OKC too, but... Um, He switched him to point guard full-time, and he's been flourishing in this system and doing just amazing things. Um, Why don't you talk a little bit about what you think his chances are winning the MVP? Uh, Right now, I think he's a front-runner. And uh, the the race is pretty close, but, like, a couple things kind of swayed me that way recently. I didn't think this way for a long time. For a while, I thought it was going to be Russ. I mean, uh, this recent straw poll by the post uh, conducted by Tim Bontemps it showed you know Harden coming out ahead by a pretty comfortable margin and it had like 115 media members and you know every media MVP race ladder you look at like whether it's USA Today or whether it's uh, NBA.com's official MVP ladder uh, Harden comes out on top in first place and it looks like that's kind of where everybody's kind of steering towards and uh, it's going to be really interesting this head-to-head matchup on Sunday uh, against the Oklahoma City Thunder on two uh, at it's it's gonna two thirty p.m. Central Time. That's gonna shift a lot of people's head, uh, opinions in my in my view, and I I'm just kind of I'm kind of fascinated to see how it works out in these last few weeks of the season. Yeah, and it's crazy that like we don't really want to. I mean, as a fans and as you know writers and podcasters and everything, we don't really want to put too much stock into one game of the season to decide the MVP race. But it kind of seems like it might boil down to like that one game. I mean, there's obviously what. 12 13 more games left in the season and it you're talking about like a a, you know a large very large sample at this at this point it's been almost the entire season to to decide or not decide but see you know what these players are doing but that that game as you mentioned is going to play a huge part i think in deciding people's minds about what's who's going to get the mvp ultimately but what do you think what do you think the reason is for him being the front runner right now i mean because you have russell westbrook who's averaging a triple double, which hasn't been done since I think 62 or 63 or 66 or one of those years in the sixties when Oscar Robertson did it. Um, it's an incredible feat. And, uh, and somehow still James Harden is leading. I mean, it looks like he's leading the, the, uh, the race. And what do you think the reason is for that? What do you think he's doing that Russell Westbrook or, or LeBron James or, or uh, a dude from San Antonio, whose name I can't remember because I'm, Drawing a blank. <laughs> I'll erase that part. Um, what do you think he's doing that those guys aren't? That's going to put him in the front and make him potentially win the candidacy, win the win the MVP. Uh, well, number one, uh, to differentiate from Russ, he's winning, right? And he's winning at a high clip, uh, and he's putting up the pretty pretty similar numbers to Russ, but on a more efficient in a more efficient manner. Like Russ is averaging a triple double. Yes, he's putting up. Uh, insane gaudy numbers, but he's putting it on 54% shooting percentage and Harden's putting it up on 60% true shooting percentage. And he's only averaging 1.8 rebounds away from averaging a triple double himself. And uh, as far as the rest of the field, I mean, his numbers are just so gaudy that it kind of, it separates them from the pack a little bit. Uh, he And the Rockets are on pace to win more than Cleveland. Uh, and they actually have a better defense in Cleveland right now. So I think it's going to separate them from uh, the from LeBron James a little bit. Um, as far as um, as far as the you know Kawhi Leonard, I just think I just think Harden's had this. Harden was in the conversation for MVP like since the beginning of the season, and I don't. I just think you know Kawhi just doesn't have enough traction at this point in the season. His MVP candidacy really picked up like a month ago, and I just think that's kind of too late. Um, unfortunate for Kawhi, but I just think that's the way it is. And historically. I mean, even if you look at basketball reference, uh, I mean, like Canada, like Harden's just likely to win. Uh, he has the perfect uh, combination of winning, uh, gaudy stats, uh, efficiency, 
you know, all rum, all rolled up into a ball that just, it just makes for an enticing package for all sides. I think. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's just, it's a crazy, it's, it's, this is a, I was talking to someone last week about this. This season has been nuts. When you, when you consider the candidates that we have for, for most valuable player, I don't think I can never, I cannot remember a season like this in the recent past that where we, we've had four legitimate candidates, um, putting up these kind of crazy numbers. And as you mentioned just now, yeah, James Harden is, is one, what is it? One and a half. You said rebounds away from uh per game from averaging a triple double as well. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. This is a, this is a feat that hasn't happened in a season since the sixties. And now we've got two guys knocking on the door and then you got LeBron James, who's averaging for, for, um, a wing player for sorry for a, a forward he's averaging the most assists of any forward ever like there's there's so many things happening in this league and i don't know if it's because of the way i mean it's got to be in part because of the way this this the league has changed towards three-point shooting and and moving the ball around instead of like low post play but it's just it's sort of incredible that we have these three guys doing these or four or five guys even if you want to count in like Isaiah Thomas, who's who's playing out of his mind. It's just, it's an incredible, it's an incredible season. It's incredible, uh, you know, the league is in an ultimate high place right now. I feel like, um, but for the Rockets fans, man, this it's. I mean, I imagine you're a Rockets fan, right? You don't just do this because. <laughs> yeah, I'm a Rockets fan, but I, I'd like to think of myself as a little bit more objective as observer from uh, the rest of the fan base. Uh, but yeah, I, I do classify myself as a Rockets fan. Yeah, well, you know, I try and say that I'm a general fan of the NBA and I can't stop talking about the Sixers and see, I just did it again. So there you go. <laughs> but um, yeah, man, it's it's it seems like, a you know, it's a crazy fun season. And I think here's here, there's a bit of a narrative, too, for 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 um, James Harden in order like to to maybe win the, the MVP last year. The guy put up, I think it was twenty nine points and seven assists, right? For the course of the season, was it 29 or 27 points? I want to say 29, but... Yeah, it was 29. It was 29, and seven assists, right? And he was like five rebounds, something like that. It was, for anyone else, that was an incredible season. It was a really, really good season. He did not get nominated to the All-Star game. He didn't get put on a single uh, NBA All-League, or all all, uh, all... Not All-Star team. What's the word I'm looking for? All oh, NBA. Oh, thank you. Oh my God. <laughs> All NBA. <laughs> See, I told you I was tired. <laughs> yeah. Um, he has. He didn't make it onto a single All NBA team. He didn't get put in the All Star game. Nothing. He got like. No, no. no. Well, well, he, he did make the All Star team, but um, last year he was, made the All Star. Yeah, yeah. He was put in as a reserve. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So he didn't get elected into. Uh, all right, sorry. My mistake. My mistake. But still, he got snubbed from All NBA, and he got put in as a reserve. I think that's what I was, it was stuck in my mind that he didn't get, yeah, he didn't get voted in directly. He was in reserve. Either way, it was an amazing season still last year. And I just don't think he got the accolades that he should have gotten because again, his defense was bad. But if you look at like the top candidates right now, except for Kawhi Leonard, all their defense is bad. Uh, Russell Westbrook is like midway, mid range in the pack. But um, I mean, this is really an offensive statistic. This is really an offensive award, right? Yeah, I mean, like, uh, if you look at the history of the MVP award, I mean, it it generally goes to a guy who's conducting a top three offense, right? Like, uh, like if you look at the Pistons, like, it's just that's just the way it's gone. Uh, Usually, the guy the guy who wins it uh, happens to to be one of the best teams in the NBA, and one of the best teams in the NBA usually has one of the best offenses in the NBA. And uh, I mean, even if you look at recent history, like Steph Curry, Steve Nash. I mean, these guys, Dirk Nowitzki. I mean, these guys aren't generally known for their defense. It is very much an an offensive uh, award, in my opinion. Oh yeah, for sure. And I think that's the thing that makes Kawhi Leonard really interesting in this in this race is because he's putting up some incredible numbers. He doesn't have the assists, and this is getting off topic, but he doesn't have the assists of the other guys. He doesn't have the playmaking ability of the other MVP candidate MVP candidates we're talking about. But he's making it up with defense, and that's what makes him such an interesting sort of dark horse candidate for this, for this award. But anyway, back to James Harden. Yeah. Um, I, I also have him in the lead right now. And I think it's just because I like his style of play really, you know, to be honest, I, I really watch, I like, 
Everyone likes watching Russell Westbrook play because he's a maniac because he just drives to the rim every time, right? He's sort of an unstoppable force, but he's also sort of a very selfish player in some ways. Like he's averaging 10 rebounds a game because, for instance, the other night he just took a, a rebound out of one of his, you know, um, he took the rebound out of the hands of one of his teammates. Sorry. Um, and he does stuff like that that doesn't necessarily make the team better. Whereas James Harden, man, he has he has these gears. He's not just got like, a, you know, fifth gear and he's driving straight ahead. He's got like three, four, five. And he's he has this ability to change pace and get so close to the rim and so close in the paint. And people just cannot figure out how to stop him. And in doing that, he's able to like get guys wide open or just or just dish it to your big man and like, you know, for a, for a dunk or whatever, but his, his ability to stop and start his ability to see the floor and work the ball around so well is just, it's, it's a lot of fun to watch. And for my money, I, I just like, I enjoy watching him play more than I do Russell Westbrook, which I think is probably the, the second leading candidate right now. How do you feel about it? How do you think he, I mean, does that, does that make sense to you? Cause you watch a lot of more, a lot more of the Rockets than I obviously do. Um, especially being, you know, I'm on the East Coast and I can't usually stay up that late. Um, what are your thoughts about it? Yeah, Harden's a unique player, right? Because like, I, and I've tried to look at this like from a historical context. Like, I can't really think of a player other than Manu Ginobili that really plays the way he does in a very unconventional manner, right? Like, you're mentioning the change of pace earlier, right? Like, and it, we don't typically look at Harden as an athletic, athletic guy, mm-hmm. but but he does have some very athletic features, right? In the way, like, I think I saw a sports science feature, like, uh, I think it was, I think it was last year or, or this summer, something like that. Like he's like, they rated James Harden pretty much all aspects of athleticism, running, jumping, everything. Right. And he rain he, he, he scaled out to be average in everything except for stopping. Like he was one of the best stoppers. Like, uh, <laughs> like they've ever seen like he was in the 99th percentile stoppers right like he was really good at just finding a way to slow down right and so that i think that pretty much you know articulates how he plays basketball he's really good at he's really shifty when he when he's driving to the lane like as you mentioned he does have a whole bunch of gears when he's driving like like there's there's guys like like you know when you but just when you think you have him right he'll he'll, he'll go full speed right like do you if you if you remember that game winning layup he had against denver a couple nights ago mm-hmm. um Nobody thinks of Harden as going that fast. Like nobody thinks of Harden as this, this really fast guy, but he can if he wants to, right? Right. And he he just ha- he has that in him. He just he just doesn't use it all the time. He he he's crafty with this change of pace, and I think I think that's unique from watching somebody like Russ who's going 99 miles per hour all the time, right? And right. Uh, it's it's just different. And I think. Yeah, he is. A, it is a lot more enjoyable to watch Rockets. I I enjoy. I hated watching the Rockets last year. Oh, I have terrible. no shame in saying that. Yeah, <laughs> it, they were they they were an eyesore, right? Yeah, one of the worst teams in the NBA to watch last year. And I don't blame anybody for saying that. It was just so bad. Like, and the chemistry was way off. It just felt like the Rockets were apathetic and they didn't try. It just it was really bad. And like Harden was no like like he was a, a big issue. Like. His leadership was really, really came into question there, and a lot, a lot, a lot of that was just because he didn't try on defense. And now he, he, like, believe it or not, he's trying a lot more on that on the floor, and he's, you know, creating for his teammates a lot more than he did before under Mike D'Antoni. And it's really, really fun. Like, if you, there's a lot of gifs this season of Harden doing a whole bunch of stupid things, like after making shots, like he'll, he'll like wave his arms like crazy. And like, I'm not, I'm not sure if you've seen these, but like, but like, like Rockets fans go crazy over this. Like, like he'll, he'll make a shot and you'll, you'll, you'll make some goofy expression. And like, <laughs> that's just so fun to watch. Yeah, it really is. Because yeah, like, yeah. Like, him getting animated like that. It's just so fun to watch. And I, I think he has that going for him. Just the narrative shift from last year where it was, yeah. just dreadful to watch and it was a lot of ball stopping and it was just it was awful right and, and to now where they're one of the most fun teams in the nba to watch and like they're a must watch on league pass and like everybody's excited to watch like rockets and at warriors like that that's a that's a marquee matchup that everybody wants to see and like like that mainly because the rockets are so much more watchable oh, uh, sure. as a team 
And uh, a lot of credit goes to Daryl Morey for putting shooters around James Harden, putting role guys. And it's it's just, it's just the entire transformation that I, I think it's just, I think it's a big reason why he's in he's ahead right now. Totally. And let me speak to a few things that you mentioned was, first of all, when you said he gets, you know, animated and he, he puts his arms in the air and makes all these goofy faces and he runs back with, you know, that's a lot of fun. That is essentially what sport is about, right? That's why we love it. That's why we feel like we are part of the game when he's getting excited and being goofy like that. We're like, yeah, we do that too. Like, that's what we're doing right now while we're watching you. So there's that element of it. It's so much more fun to watch a guy just have a good time. And I think this is part of the reason that Steph Curry got so popular too, right? Is because he was just, he just has fun on the court and people love that. They love to get, you know, excited when you're excited. And so there's that aspect of it. You mentioned the idea that like, he's actually trying on defense now. So last year he was abominable on defense and we know that, and he's still not great, but two years ago when he was blasted the year before, for not playing any defense and there was all these gifs around or gifs, however you want to say it, of him just like falling asleep on defense and what, you know, like really embarrassing stuff. He really turned it on two years ago and he became sort of a defensive player, right? Last year, he was very unhappy with his team. <laughs> like he had yeah. Dwight Howard, the ultimate unteam guy on, on his team. Like I don't blame him one bit for being unhappy. And I, I talked about this a lot. Like, listen, if I had Dwight Howard on my team, I probably would quit. That's it. You know, I can't, I can't, I can't really blame him. Like everywhere Dwight Howard goes, he may, he makes the locker room bad. Right. So, and there's, and you add all these things up and it makes like sort of the perfect narrative to get this guy an MVP to like, we all love a come from behind story. We all love a success story. The last year he came in the league out of shape. They were miserable. They were doing terrible this year. He's, transformed into an entirely different player. He's having so much fun. And D'Antoni is a huge part of that. And as you said, Dower Mori has put some really good shooters around him. And speaking of, he put one of the guys around James Harden that I have long had a fascination with since he was on the Clippers years ago. And I thought this kid was going to be so freaking good. And he just got injured and injured and injured. And Eric Gordon is the guy I'm talking about who just could not, He it seemed like he couldn't get healthy for the longest time. I think it was his second year. He averaged like 23 points a game. He looked like he was going to be so much fun to watch for the next several years. He got injured. I think it was knee injuries or ankle injuries. He just couldn't get healthy. And then when he was on the Pelicans, which is also sort of a a train wreck of a franchise, uh, he didn't really have a whole lot of success there either. But when they picked him up this year, he's back up to, I think, the second or third highest points he's had in a season uh, in his career, he's shooting 16 points a game, and he's fourth in the league in, in completed threes. Huge part of their success right now. So just to shift off to Harden from Harden a little bit, um, what do you think of Eric Gordon's chances of becoming a sixth man of the year? That's complicated because uh, this Lou Williams trade really mixed things up. Huh? Like, yeah, it doesn't like, help him, does it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like, it really seemed like he was the front runner for a while. And then uh, you add in another six-man-of-the-year candidate to the bench. And uh, it takes the ball away from his hands a little bit. Um, and, uh, you know, it takes the shine away a little bit, right? Because there's, there's going to be nights where Lou Williams goes off. I still think he's a front runner, in my opinion. Like, I just think he's been uh, the leading sixth man of the year for a winning team for so long now, for so much of the season. And uh, he's shifted his narrative like crazy. Like, I remember um, there were some questions on his contract when Rockets signed him, right? Because he was a, this injury, injury-riddled injury guy who could never get healthy. And the Rockets deci- decided by going through his, med- his medical reports and, like, talking to doctors that this is this is a really fluky thing with him. That that was what they were reporting. Like, this was kind of like like, the, like last year he broke his hand. And, like, that's just kind of a random thing that just happens, right? Right. And you, you can't really control for that. So, like, they thought – Hey, I think I think you know they're like I think he can be healthy this year. That, that's what Daryl Morey basically said. Like I, th- I think he'll be fine, and that that uh, gamble has really paid off for them. And the same thing goes for Ryan Anderson. I think I think Eric Gordon. Like I mean, you, you, the, this whole team is just an awesome story, right? Like because like like guys like Ryan Anderson. Like if you if you read Ryan Anderson's SI story, like I think it was by Chris Ballard, like with his girlfriend going through everything and like. Uh, the whole suicide stuff, and it, it, it was really, really dark. It, it got really dark for Ryan Anderson there, and he went through the back injuries. Like, and to see him like having, and he's having, and he's having a lot of fun, and he he just got recently, he recently got married, and it's 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 really cool. It's it's really really cool to see what's 
Um, guys like Eric Gordon and Ryan Anderson thriving in this system. They, they, I just felt like they needed the right organization, like like the Houston Rockets, like and the, the right coach to empower them to play the way they wanted to play. And it's it's really worked out for them. And they've really kind of revolutionized the way three pointers are being shot because they're really pulling up from like three point from like three feet beyond the three point line, and they're hitting threes from there. And that's it's really spacing out the defense like crazy. And it's making it really hard to guard James Harden because it's really hard to guard him when he, when he has three point shooters around him. It's, it's even harder to guard him when he has three point shooters or who you have to guard like two feet beyond the three point line. That's a, that's, that makes it nearly impossible to guard. And it's, it's, I'm, I'm happy for these guys. I, I just think the narrative shift in their careers, it's just really, really um, phenomenal. Yeah, I totally agree. And it's funny. I'm glad you brought that up. I was going to bring up the the fact that the Rockets are shooting three-point shots from be, way beyond the arc. I think they're not only leading the league, but I think they're sort of setting some sort of new like NBA record for uh, three-point shots beyond beyond actually the three-point line. You know, So it's like a historically um, long-range shooting season for them, I think. Something of that nature, right? And uh, Eric Gordon, I think for most of the season, wasn't he like leading the league in three point percentage from, from just crazy distance? You know more yeah, about this it, than I do. I, I, I'm like, I'm pulling, I'm grasping at straws here. <laughs> and, and, and for a while he was leading the league in, in made three pointers. Like he was ahead of Steph Curry for a little bit. Right. And, uh, and that was pretty fun to watch. I'm not sure where he stands right now, but he's, he's up there. Like the Rockets have five three point shooters that are in the top 20 three pointers made, which is pretty staggering. Um, and it makes it really hard to defend. And like that, that's kind of what they're going for right now. Like, and Daryl Morey came out in an interview uh, after the trade deadline, after they acquired Lou Williams, and he directly, like, unprompted, mentioned the Warriors. Like he said, like if we're gonna if we're gonna beat the Warriors, we're gonna beat them in I quote a barrage of three point shooting. Like that was his quote. Like he wants he wants to increase the variance. Like if the Rockets get hot, they can beat pretty much anything in the NBA, and oh, they yeah. think they can do that. They think they can do that with the Warriors, and that's pretty much their strategy, which I find fascinating. I never thought about it like anybody attacking attacking it like that. Like the, the Rockets really targeted guys like like who whose values were down, like Ryan Anderson, Eric Gordon. Like nobody really valued them that highly, except for like um, Sacramento and you know just just teams that like with bad franchises and bad reputations. Nobody really targeted them like that much, and they found an inefficiency in the market in in three point shooting. And they're really going for it with a lot of three-pointers. Like, they're shooting, like, like three-pointers a game. And after the All-Star break, I think it's even increased to, like, 45 or something like that. Wow. I mean, and isn't that the Daryl Morey way, too? Like, he tries to find the inefficiencies in the game and, and goes after those things. It's, he's a very smart guy. He brought Sam Hinkie up. And I don't even need to tell you how I feel about Sam Hinkie because you could probably tell by me talking oh, about him right now. I love <laughs> Sam Hinkie. Oh, I, 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 I'm, yeah, I'm the biggest Sam Hinkie defender. No, like, you're not. I, I am. Really... <laughs> yeah, like I, I hated the way that went, that worked out in Philadelphia. Like, I, oh. I, I, there's nobody that despises the Colangelos more than me, and that's just because of the way that it just really felt really slimy. And I way think that... I could give you a run for your money, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I'm sure, I'm sure, and it, it was just. Uh, like it, and and I'm like 99 sure the next job Sam like Sam Hinkie's gonna have the job of his choosing right. Oh yeah, because oh god, the yeah. Sixers are making the Sixers are making him look really good. Like Joel Embiid made him look really good when yep. he was healthy, and like the assets like Nerlens Noel and like Brian Colangelo like making dumb trades after afterwards, mm. like trading Nerlens Noel to Dallas for almost nothing. Like that 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 helps for, him too, right? For barely, like, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I I really think like like as soon as the season's over, I mean, there's gonna be like I think there's gonna be a, I mean, this is just my opinion. I think there's gonna be a historic opening in front office jobs. Like I feel like that's coming. I feel like like Phoenix, uh, Sacramento, um, you know, Chicago. There's gonna, there's just a lot of really really bad front offices like the Pelican. Like there's there's a lot of really really bad front offices. I feel like you know Orlando. I, I can name a lot, right? The, right. There's a lot of really bad front offices. 
And I feel like once, you know, once all those jobs are cleared, I think Sam Maggie's going to have the job of choosing. It's going to be really cool. It's interesting to see how that works out. We're, we're getting off topic. We are. Go ahead. I'm just going to say that <laughs> I'm going to be the biggest fan of whatever team he goes to, and I'm going to be super pissed when they beat the Sixers every time. Anyway, <laughs> totally off topic. But speaking of, like, finding the market inefficiencies and finding guys that are, like, you know, uh, bench players that are that are performing under what they possibly could and stuff. Not only that, Daryl Morey had the the foresight to, or the the just the common sense to hire Mike D'Antoni. And listen, for for me, I haven't always been the hugest Mike D'Antoni fan. Mike D'Antoni fan. I don't know. I just I I like guys who coach a lot of defense. It's kind of boring, but I'm a I'm a defensive guy. You know, I, I like defensive teams, but I also love offense, obviously. Um, and when he was in New York, and I got to see him all the time because I'm here. Uh, you know, that the Knicks team was terrible. Funny thing is, um, the last time the Knicks had a had a team with any good defense was when, when Mike D'Antoni was coaching them. So that's kind of crazy. But so they got D'Antoni and he has been the perfect coach for this system, for this team, for these guys, for the it's sort of a perfect match. It's a match made in heaven, if you believe in such things. Um what do you think about D'Antoni's candidacy for Coach of the Year so far this year? I mean, I think he's on the short list to get it, honestly. He's done such, and especially, and I'm sorry if I'm rambling, but if you think about what a, what a horrible show they were last year, as we were talking about earlier, to turn that around this quickly and have this much success and have James Harden vying for MVP uh, I think he's done a brilliant job, and um, I'm just gonna l- let you talk about it right now because, you know, I'm sure you have plenty to say about this. Yeah, um, I think the gap between Mike Dayton and second place for Coach of the Year is pretty. It's pretty big. Like, I, I think, like, I guess, I guess second place is probably Eric Spoelstra, and like. It, wherever you go, you, I mean, you you hear like the front runner for the coach of the year is Mike D'Antoni. Like I think he's gonna win it. And right now, if anybody else wins it, it probably probably be a big upset. And this is pretty ironic because a lot of fans in Houston, including myself, like I thought, like we were really skeptical about the hire, right? Because right. It, it it wasn't just the hire, like it, it was like where it was coming. From. A lot of people thought Leslie Alexander, the owner of this team, like they thought that the hire was coming from him. And you know, and when ownership gets gets involved in management, it get it gets a little sketchy, right? Like we've seen that in Sacramento, we've seen that in Phoenix. Yeah. Like it gets, uh, yeah, it just gets hairy. Like you you want ownership to stay away. And uh, apparently, like after the after the hire, they came out and said, no, this was a group decision, right? Like we all thought Mike D'Antoni was the guy. And like, and looking back at it, I mean, I I can't think of a better which hiring this summer than Mike D'Antoni. I mean, if you really think about it, like, like Tom Thibodeau was the highest, like probably the highest coveted coach in the, in the NBA, you know, last off season. And Mike D'Antoni ended up being the coach that surprised everybody. Right. And it's, I can't think of a better hire right now. And uh, it's pretty insane because I, 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 I could not in a, a million years, imagine this going working out as great as it did. Like James Harden at the all-star break, like, when, when he was asked about Mike D'Antoni, he said, like, he's my best friend. Like, that that's pretty, like, insane to me. Like, and, like, this is, like, something that the Rockets really need to get right, right? Like, a- after last year, they needed to get that coach hire, like, down. Like, that, that needed right. to be the number one thing, the number one objective going into free agency to find, like, and this is what I said. Like, I was writing a column about this, right? Like, the Rockets can't just find any coach. They need to find the coach that they believe is going to retire with James Harden. Like, 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 they need to find their Rick Carlisle, right? They need to find their Greg Popovich. They need to find their guy that's going to retire with their superstar, right? Like, I just think, like, you got this has to be James Harden's last coach. You have to go into every interview with that kind of with that kind of thinking. Yeah, I, I think they, I think they, I think they did a good job of it. And you know, as soon as they hired Mike D'Antoni, I mean, Daryl Morey went crazy in the offseason and, and hired the requisite talent to surround him, and I, it's just worked beautifully. And, the whole defense thing, like, like Mike D'Antoni's always had a bad rap, rap for his defense. And um, I'll be honest, like I really wanted the Rockets to hire a defensive coach. Mm-hmm. And but the thing is, the Rockets are defend uh, defending at a pretty average level, like, and that's a lot better than last year. Like, yeah, they're 18th in the, <laughs> they're 18th or 17th or something like that in the league in defensive rating. So that's around middle of the pack. And like, 
they're they were like 24th or 23rd last year and that that's that's a huge improvement and Mike D'Antoni certainly does there some some credit for that and offensively they're miles ahead of where they were last year um they were like the sixth they're like the seventh offense in the NBA last year they're first they're first or second right now they're kind of going back and forth with the Warriors yeah and they're up there in in terms of all-time offensive ratings they're like almost there for the number one spot they're like they're battling with the Warriors right now basically whoever ends up getting the number one offense in the NBA this season is going to get the number one offense of all time which is pretty insane. But that's really crazy, yeah. <laughs> well, going back to your that, point that's, about... That's where we are right now in the NBA. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's amazing. You have to be super happy as a Rockets fan. Going back to your point about, like, you know, that's a really glowing endorsement from James Harden about Mike D'Antoni, saying he's your best friend. Like, can you imagine if you're the coach of somebody and the, and the thing he has to say about you is you're my best friend? That's that's pretty dope, man. Like that's a really good endorsement coming from one, like that maybe the second best player in the league right now, or the first best player in the league, the most valuable player probably in the league saying and and endorsing you as your best, as his best friend. That's a, that's a huge endorsement. That's, 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 I don't even know how to say it's huge. Um, Do you think anything, do you think any part of it has to do with uh, Mike D'Antoni shaving his mustache though? I mean, (laughs) that was rough. Like, like, like there, there's there's two sides to this, right? The the mustache thing. This is, this is a really polarizing topic, right? Like I think Mike D'Antoni looks good without the mustache. Like he I, looks fine, I, I yeah. think he looks fine. Yeah, I, th- I think he looks fine. But there there's a huge uproar when he shaved it. Like there there there's a cult following for that Mike D'Antoni mustache. I can't really blame them. Like honestly, like I I get like I have some nostalgic feelings for that Mike D'Antoni Suns team, and yeah. part of that. Like ninety percent of my love for that Suns team is Mike D'Antoni's mustache. Like I, 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 I can't lie. Like that's just the way it is. And so you know, I, I can understand the hard feelings towards shaving the mustache. Hey man, when I was growing up, most of my life, my my young life, my father rocked a beard. And when one day I came home from school and he had shaved, I didn't even know who the man was. So I can kind of relate. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little jarring. Um, but yeah, man, like I, I, I was actually going to make a real point here <laughs> instead of clowning around like I do, but Hey, whatever. Um, no, I think, I think D'Antoni has been amazing for this team. I think it's been such a nice, uh, fitting with Harden and like, okay, so they're second in points per game right now. That's huge. And as you were just mentioning, like they're going back and forth with the Warriors who are also like an all time offensive team, right? So they're both in the all time best, uh, offensive teams which is great. I don't know where they stand. and I haven't looked those numbers up, but they're 10th in rebounds, rebounds per game, which is also impressive because they lost Dwight Howard or rather, you know, gave him the boot. <laughs> he just left. Yeah. I know. I know. Um, which is pretty incredible because they're, so they're getting a lot out of their guys. They're getting like Montrez Harrell. He's been, he's been awesome. Um, and Clint Capella has sort of come out of nowhere. I mean, I think last year, you know, people looking at him, thought that maybe he was ready to take that step, and it seems like he really is. Um, and I don't think they've missed anything in their rebounds. Obviously, they're still 10th in the league. They're second in assists, which means, you know, that system is working. Harden's sharing the ball. He's Again, he's averaging 11 assists per game, but they're whipping the ball around, man. It's a lot. It's the For me, it's the best style of offense you can play. Sharing the ball, moving yeah, the ball it, around. It's, it's so fun. It's, it, it's so, so fun, fun to watch. And getting guys on the perimeter and drawing the defense out. And, like, it again, it opens. And, you know, I was going to make this point uh, just to go back to James Harden again. If I had one comp to, like, one comparison to compare him to, I would probably compare him to Le'Veon Bell from the Steelers. The way he stops. And go, do you watch the football at all? I don't, I don't know. but A little bit, a little bit. Yeah, well, Le'Veon Bell did this whole thing like it was, you know, this year, everybody was noticing how he just stops behind the line of scrimmage and then goes again and just like goes right through the line of scrimmage and, and gets, you know, lots of yards. It's kind of the same thing with Harden. I, I'm jumping around a little bit, but he, again, you, like he yeah, said, when he's you, really shifty, right? He's yeah, really he's shifty, really, really shifty. And he's in the 95 percentile of stopping. <laughs> Is that what you yeah. said? Who, who yeah, even like, thinks of this statistic? Like, oh, he stops really well. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, like, like he was among like the best athletes they've ever seen in stopping. Like that, that was the athletic skill that James Harden had. Like in all other categories, he was average, but in in stopping, it's, he was one of the best. Like, and you know, and I. I I just found that really compelling. It, I just thought it, was it, it is very compelling. It's also very funny in a weird sort of way. Yeah. But yeah. the but I bet you, man, I bet you people are going to be are going to start gauging players on their stopping ability. If they haven't done it already, they're going to be like, you know, oh, that guy stops really well. Look at that. Um, 
he's changing the league. It's incredible. Uh, there, you know, the whole, like, I bet you in 20 years from now, the whole league is going to be filled with guys who just stop and shoot. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's kind of what they do. And now, like, but. and like Harden's foul drawing maneuvers, like they're really out of the box. Like I, I've, I've never seen him, like anybody draw fouls the way he does. Like it, and like, oh, it's incredible. It, this, pisses, this pisses a lot of people off, but honestly, I just think it's funny. Like, <laughs> like, like, like the, there's this new thing that he invented this season, right? Like he, where he, he waits for a screen on the, on the three point line. Right. Mm-hmm. And generally when, when you're going through a screen, like your arms, like you have no control of your arms. Right? You're trying to go under the screen or you're trying to go over the screen, right? right? That's generally the two choices you have. So you're moving your arms while you're doing this, right? And so when he, when you're moving your arms, he'll jump up and shoot a three, and like that's three free throws right there. Oh like, yeah. And like, no, I can't believe nobody's ever thought of this. Like, and and like Harden's thought of it, and like. And like I, I, I remember like like reading a column a, co- a couple years ago. Like they're teaching James Harden's moves like in foul drawing, like around the basket. Like they're teaching it to high school kids. Wow. And around the around the league, you're seeing other guys develop it. Like like yeah, I'm pretty sure like D'Angelo Russell, like he's probably watching a lot of James Harden film. Like and like I'm just it's pretty crazy. Like I, I'm pretty sure in a couple of years you're gonna see a new breed of guards that just know how to draw fouls. Like, oh yeah. <laughs> I think it's hilarious. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's the other thing, too. Like, last year, it was annoying watching him play because he still did the same thing last year. He still got so many fouls called on, you know, for him. Like, going in the lane, you, can, you can't stop him going to the rim because he's just so big and strong for a guard. And and he knows how to draw a foul, man. He really, the one, one way I would put Harden over Westbrook as well is that I think Harden is such a cerebral player. Like he really knows how to use his body to his advantage and against other players to draw fouls. You know, um, so he knows how to do and that. And last year, when the when the offense going to going to that, I'm going to interrupt you for one second. Like, yeah, I, if there was a, there was an Oklahoma like uh, Oklahoma City at Rockets game a couple a couple months ago, right? And, and uh, it came down to the the final stretch, right? And I thought the the final couple possessions were so dis like descriptive to how they played like they were the perfect metaphors to their games right mm-hmm. like i remember um russell westbrook came up and like uh he got t- uh he, he he asked for the pick he got switched on to harden right like harden was guarding him and then and russ just took a random three right and like the next play like and he, he missed three and the next play harden, like the same thing happened he he called for a pick right? and he got the double team and so instead of like shooting or, do, or doing anything crazy with that double team, he found an open Nene at the basket for right. two free throws. And I just thought it was the perfect metaphor for their games. Right. When you know that that Russ probably would have just tried to shoot the double team and, and go to the rim, right? But yeah, Harden, yeah, yeah. Harden, Harden is so smart. And this is what's going to be my point is like last year, he was still doing sort of the same thing. He was going to the rim a lot more rather than shooting. Um, I mean, I, he was still shooting like crazy, obviously, but. He was getting to the rim all the time, and he was getting fouled, I think, more than anyone else in the league. But in last year's offense, it was annoying to watch. It was it was a bog down. It bogged down the game. And while he was really being smart and getting fouls and using the system to his advantage, this year is just it's a joy to watch, right? Because he doesn't even have to do that as much anymore. He still does. He knows how to he knows how to put people in the wrong situation and get a foul call. And you're right, you cannot. You just you can't stop him from getting those calls. He's really crafty at it. Um, but it sounds like we're talking about his MVP candidacy again. Um, it's all kind of all it's all kind of all the same thing, right? It's all blended yeah, together. When you talk about the Rockets, you're gonna have to talk about Harden for like 30 minutes. I mean, it's it's he's the team. He's the yeah. team. Like the, the Harden goes down, the team goes down. That's just the way it is. For sure, for sure. And okay, so then we were talking about D'Antoni's candidacy for for Coach of the Year. I totally think so. They have. MVP MVP candidate, they have Coach of the Year candidate, and they have two Sixth Man of the Year candidates. Right, they've got to win something this year. But how far do you think and, with with all? Go ahead. I'm sorry. And like the fact that they're like, you know, they have they're in the race for all these awards. I think it actually opens up them up for another award. All of this hardware just just fuels uh, Daryl Moore's Executive of the Year candidacy. Oh yeah, like, that's a good like, one. The, the, Cause like like, like the, the, that's why I think is what I think is unique about like the Rockets is like the fact that they're winning all these awards 
puts them in line for another award. Like, right. Like, I just, it's, it's, it's really like, cause like when you talk about coach of the year, I mean, well, who hired Mike D'Antoni? Daryl right. Morey. Right. And you're talking about a sixth man of the year. Well, who signed Eric Gordon this year? Exactly. Daryl Morey. <laughs> and even if Lou Williams, uh, gets sixth man of the year, who traded for Daryl, who traded for Lou Williams this year? Daryl Morey. And like, it's, it's, it, I just find it so fascinating. Every hard, every piece of hardware there, they win. It's just fueling that other piece of hardware. It's, it's pretty cool. That's really that's a good point. For some reason, I didn't even think of that. It never clicked in my head. But yeah, that's a really good point. They could get executive of the year as well, too. It's crazy. But all of this, all of this together, right? They could win. They could possibly win all of these all of these awards, and it doesn't make a damn bit of difference if they don't win in the playoffs. So my question to you is, how far do you legitimately think they can get in the playoffs? Um, well, if you're a Rockets fan, I, I'd say keep your ex- tamper your expectations to like get getting to the second round. Like the, I think they're locked to the get to get to the second round. Anything after that is a coin flip, right? Like I, I think I think you, you can expect them to get past the first round and have a competitive second round. Like that, that's their floor, right? And anything right. lower than that is a disappointment. Like I, I think that's fair. I think I think if they don't if they lose in the first round, that's an automatic disappointment. And I'm, I'm not blaming anybody for killing the Rockets. For having this great season and not winning the playoffs, right? Um, that second round series against the Spurs, like that's going to be tough, right? Like the, the Rockets had really, really competitive games with the Spurs this year, um, and I think it's, it's going to really go down to like a, a six or seven game series. Um, well, we don't right know. Now, say- we don't know that it's going to be the Spurs. Listen, anything can happen. Like, we you see upsets on occasion in the NBA. It happens way less in the NBA playoffs than it does in like in other sports, I guess, like the NFL. But it happens. I mean. So yeah, right it, now, it, it, right now as it stands, if the playoffs started today, they would play OKC, which would be so much fun on so many levels, right? Yeah. You have Harden and Westbrook. You have the exact same thing we were just talking about. And these two get compared a lot for the players they have around them, right? So, like, everyone says that Westbrook is doing so much with so little and, he, you know, with so few, so little talent on his team, whereas... Harden is doing the same basically with with more talent, right? Or he's doing better with more talent. I don't necessarily think that's true. If you look at Oklahoma City, he's, you know, Russell Westbrook has Ennis Cantor. He's got Steven Adams. And I think those two guys are really good centers. I mean, they're both an upgrade from anything that, like, the Rockets have, right? And Andre Roberson's good, too. He's one of the best yeah. perimeter defenders in the NBA. And, like, he does, and Victor Oladipo Victor is a Oladipo? pretty good yeah, he's he's got- a good uh, developing project, and I, and like the thing is, they you can make the case that they have the same amount of talent, but mm-hmm. they're different kinds, of talent, right? Oh, yeah, like, for sure. Like the the Rockets' talent is tailored around James Harden, and that they have shooters, right? Um, and Russ's talent is kind of tailored around Russ, in that they have really really good defensive pieces that don't need the ball that much, right? Right. And like in in different ways, like I, and like. I find this really ironic. Like when people say that the Rockets have so much more talent than, than, than Russ, well, before the season, Oklahoma city was projected to win more games than the Rockets by Vegas, by ESPN, by everybody. Yeah. It, it was just, and like, and everybody was calling Steven Adams, like the next coming of Dwight Howard. Right. Like it, it, that was, there was a, a, a discussion for like a few months there where people were talking about Steven uh, Adams Stephen being Adams. the best new center in the league. Yeah. Right. I know. Go ahead. Yeah, where, where the hell did all that go? Like, what, what happened to all that? Like, like, <laughs> he's still, listen, he's still really good. Let's not, you know, but yeah, yeah, but yeah, I think he is the, good. Like, but I'm saying, like, what, what the hell happened to all that? Like, so yeah. we're gonna sort of pretend like that didn't happen. Like, like we didn't see. Like, we thought that Ryan Anderson was like really good. Like, did we? Did anybody really see those two times of Ryan Anderson and Eric Gordon to be anything more than like a waste of money? Because a lot of people thought. The Rockets are spending too much on two guys that were too injury riddled, right? Yeah. That was the narrative around those signings. And now that they're succeeding, the narrative's kind of flipped. And I just think it's really ironic that that's happened. Uh, but I'm ranting now. I'm ranting now. No, but no, yeah, ran like, away. I, I totally <laughs> I totally agree with you. Yeah, people were, you know, Ryan Anderson and 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 Eric Gordon's corpses, like they were resurrected from the dead. They barely you know, they could barely do anything. And yeah, and now they're this. I, I told this is the one thing that's been bothering me about this narrative quote unquote all all season is that like people are discounting the uh Oklahoma City's roster now because you know Russell Westbrook is doing everything but no man like 
Russell Westbrook is doing everything. That's the problem. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they'd be <laughs> sunk without him, but like, I feel like he's actually sort of hurting their progress or hurting hurting their their potential in a weird way because it's just the guy Russell Westbrook is. It's why we love watching him play. It's why we love, you know, it's it's why he's so much fun because he only has one gear. But I also believe, firmly believe, that's the reason that Kevin Durant's not with him anymore. I believe that's why uh, their team isn't actually better than they are. You know, I mean, you've seen in the last couple of games, Westbrook has started to share the ball and try to, you know, make plays for his guy more, more guys, more than just take the ball to the rim every time. And he's been pretty successful in doing it. But like, why can't you do that all the time? But I mean, as you were just saying, Stephen Adams was supposed to be the next number one young center in the league. And that's kind of gone away. And it's Cantor. He's even playing defense now, and his offensive game is insane, right? But yeah. you know, nobody pays attention to that. They have they don't have any talent on their team. Like, no, that's crazy, man. Look what James Harden is doing with the Rockets. I don't you can't tell me that their their roster is much better than than OKC. It just doesn't make sense to me. I see their roster. I know who they have. Stop lying to me. I mean, I mean, if, if you think about it, like, I mean, both rosters have no all NBA players except for their number one guys. Exactly. Like, and so, like, I mean, I don't get like when people talk about how the Rockets have so much more talent than the Thunder. I mean, like, like, like who is like this Dwayne Wade that I've missed on on the Rockets? I don't see like this crazy all star on the Rockets that's next to James Harden. Like, I and like. I just think that James Harden's made these guys so much better. Yeah, like, I, 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 I think. See, like the the like let's, talk, let's take Ryan Anderson for instance because we were talking about him earlier, right? Mm-hmm. Ryan Anderson, like for a long time, like we were, the narrative on him was quickly becoming, is he playable on a playoff team anymore? Right? Like, is is his defense so bad? Like, like can we still consider him a, a good piece on a championship roster? Right? That was quickly becoming the narrative on him, right? Because right. his defense was so bad. But his offensive game is so important to the Rockets because of what James Harden has made of him, right? Right. And 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 same thing for same thing for uh, Clint Capella, right? Like Clint Capella, it's like so much of his offense is dependent on really great passes from James Harden. Yes. Right. Like like so much of his lobs come from Harden. Like a lot. I remember reading a stat. Like I think it was. Towards the beginning of the season, I'm not sure if this is valid, but in the beginning of the season, I think like 86% of Clint Capella's like points were de- because of James Harden or that something like right. that. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, I don't, I don't like, think anyone thinks of Clint Capella as an offensive creator. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and, and, and like, like the that's just, I mean, that's basically what it is. Like, like Harden has made these guys what they are, not the other way around. Right. These guys aren't aren't elevating the Rockets. Harden is elevating the Rockets. And so there is exactly my point. That's a great uh, storyline for Harden's MVP candidacy. Not great for them going into the playoffs because you know in the playoffs, things slow down and defenses ratchet up. And if you only have the one guy, which basically the Rockets have just the one guy, which, you know, teams are going to be able to focus in on him and take that away. I mean, it's going to be really hard to stop James Harden. It's just almost impossible. The same way it's almost impossible to stop LeBron James. Actually, it is impossible to stop LeBron James. But when you come up against a team like (laughs) the, the Warriors or the Spurs, and they have a lot of guys that can just, you know, step in and sort of shut him down, it's going to be really, it's a really tough road they have to travel to get to the championship i don't see anyone getting past but, i mean but th- this is why we play the games right this is oh, why yeah. it's so that's this is why the, this is why the nba playoffs is so damn fun because so we don't fun. know yeah right? like like like, uh, like uh three months ago we thought the warriors were locked to reach the finals what happened to that now right like now the gap is open right like, now the window is open for the teams like the spurs for the rockets like the, the gap is open for these teams and, and even the cap title this year right right and, and I, I just think like i just think like that's this is why it's so fascinating to watch the rockets this year and, and like this is why the acquisition of lou williams is so fascinating is daryl Morey's theory right like can they really uh beat the warriors through a barrage of three-pointers like it, it, we don't know yet we don't know that yet right like and right. that's 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 what I'm so interested in seeing. Oh, it's going to be so much fun. I would love to see a second round matchup with them, but I don't think they would end up there unless the the uh, Spurs get knocked out, right? So let's see. How would this go? If we have, I don't know. They would reach the conference finals. They would be the conference finals. Yeah. 
yeah, so the Rockets would have to reach the conference finals to beat the Warriors. So, I mean, like, the, that's, I mean, like, implicitly what Daryl Morey was saying was, like, he's confident enough in this roster to reach the conference finals, which yeah. is a huge step up from where we thought the Rockets would be, like, four months ago. Like, we thought this team was going to be first round out, a uh, competitive first round out, granted. Like, that's what I thought. Um, and and we thought they were going to be, like, a 45-win team. They're headed to become a 56-win team. And according to the general manager, he thinks that they're good enough to reach the conference finals, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's a pretty big step up. I just think that's – if you're a Rockets fan, like, even if you don't reach the conference final, even if you get to the second round and are competitive with the Spurs for, like, a six or seven game series, that's a successful season. Like, wrap it up. Like, you get hardened with the MVP uh, and all these other awards. I think that's much better than what you what you were going to get, like, last – like. Oh, my God, yeah. It's, it's, it's leaps and bounds away. But, I mean – you know, and then there you go too. Like, if suppose they make it past OKC as it stands now, and they end up playing San Antonio, that's also going to be a really fun matchup. The only thing is, I think they have James Harden kryptonite on that team with uh, Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi can shut anyone down. That guy's he's he's just an evil genius on defense. Um, so yeah, man. And Danny it, Green too. And Danny, and Danny Green. Green's really good. Yeah. he's really good. I told, and he he doesn't get enough credit for it. He's like. In my opinion, he's like one of the eight best perimeter defenders in the NBA. And he, nobody ever talks about him, but he's just that good like yeah. on defense. You know, but it, hey, listen, uh, upsets happen. They could get past him. They can get to the Warriors. I don't think the Warriors are a lock for the for the finals either, man. And like, you know, they're, they're not going to have an easy road either. I think the West is just always so much more competitive. And there are a bunch of people that are thinking that the Rockets could sort of make a run i don't know i'm sure you're one of them or at least hoping and you know it's funny as a fan you can always trick yourself into believing that anything's possible so isn't that really what fandom's about to begin with yeah and i i mean if you're an nba fan you have to be pretty happy like because i mean like a, a while like like again three months ago we thought it was warriors Cavs. that's it right yeah and now the, the playoffs in both conferences looks a lot more compelling than it was before you have the the, the rise of the of the Wizards in the East, right? And you, you have the deep, the deeper roster of the, of the Toronto Raptors, right? Uh, the Celtics were a second seed this year. They have Al Horford. They have Isaiah Thomas making a big leap this year. And they in the West, you have uh, the rise of the Rockets, right? And the Spurs are still the Spurs. Uh, now the, the Warriors have this fatal flaw in that, you know, Kevin Durant's hurt. And is he going to be healthy for the for the for the conference finals is, is he going to be good like is he going to be like because remember like Steph had uh, a similar injury last year in the playoffs right he had a grade one MCL sprain mm-hmm. KD has a grade two MCL sprain right and like there's questions as to whether or not he's going to be the same like how are the Warriors going to be when they reintegrate him like I, I just think there's all these fascinating questions and I and as an NBA fan you have to be happy even if you're not a Rockets even if you're a Rockets fan and, and like. Rockets get eliminated. Like, this is a lot. We're in such a great place right now as a league, and I just think oh, yeah. you have to be happy with it. Oh, for sure. But let me ask you this real quick. I, you know, before we before we go, and I let you finish your drive back home. Uh, <laughs> 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 if they if they get knocked out in the second round, what do you hope they do in the off season? What could you see them? What what position or what what moves would you like to see them make to get over that hump to maybe get to the Western Conference Finals next year? Or maybe even to the finals, the NBA finals. Do you think they can do something? What would you like to see them try and do? Um, if they up, if they make it to the second round and, and they lose in a competitive second matchup to second round matchup to the Spurs, I think uh, the Rockets really have to upgrade that small forward position. Like Trevor Ariza was really good for so long, right? But I, I think um, I I think it's time to kind of upgrade that position uh, and look for your small forward of the future, right? And uh, also, like, if you can, like, throw your hat in the Gordon Hayward chase, right? Like, there's no, there's probably, Gordon Hayward's probably not going to go to the Rockets, but I mean, like, why not? Like, just, just, just try to get a meeting with Gordon Hayward, right? And, like, guys like that, like, try to be superstars, like, do what the Rockets do every year, get meetings with these guys, even if they're not going to sign them. Like, I think they should still be super aggressive. They should try to make the minor moves. Um, And I just think, like, um, like, the foundation for this roster is already set. Now, now you have to make the little the little moves. Like right. I, I think in the off season, um, you know, like bearing some crazy acquisition. I, I just think you make the little the tiny moves to upgrade your defense, right? Because right now that's the the big weakness for this team, right? Like you're, you're an average defense. How can you get that to become elite, right? So make those moves and and see how far you can get with it, and then uh, again next year. Right now the Rockets are so good that like. 
like they're they're, they're kind of like like they're they have the their window was open right yeah like where but as we've seen in the past you have five or six fast. attempts yeah right sorry go ahead yeah 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 you you have like you have like four five six whatever attempts to to go at this right and if you if you win a championship that's great if you don't i mean you have you have this nice time where you're really successful and you really competitive and like 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 you can look back at like the phoenix suns of um yeah. Like we look back at the Suns all the time, right? That was a fun time in basketball. That team was really like there was a book, the Seven Seconds or Less. Like that's one of the best basketball books I've ever read. I've ever read, right? And like it's because that team was so compelling. And like even even with the, with all these what ifs, like we we're still talking about how they changed the face of basketball. Yeah, I think there could be a similar thing like that with the Rockets, like the amount of threes they shoot and how uh, analytic dependent they are. Like with this era of the Rockets, I get like. Even if you don't win the championship, I, I, I just think sustained success is always a good thing. For sure. It's funny how the Suns are always come up as that team that like, yeah, they didn't win it, but they were awesome. So like, yeah, I don't think I don't yeah. think there's any harm in like getting just that close. I mean, you know, obviously you want to get over the hump. You want to win it. You want to be a championship team. But there's other joys. Well, even that are as recent. Or even as recent as the Memphis Grizzlies, right? Like we're gonna look right. back at the great Brian Grizzlies in like 10, 15 years. As like that was a, a team that everybody loved, right? Like that was a team that like the underdog, hard hat, you know, Grizzlies that America could relate to. And For sure. I, I think, you know, like if you can have an era like that in your franchise, that's all you want, right? Like you you want it, you you just want. Um, to be really, really freaking good for like five or six or stretches, and that's that's all you can ask for. I don't know. I think we both sound like abused fans that haven't won a championship in a long time. <laughs> 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 I think you really should want a championship, but whatever. Can't win everything. Anyway, Salman, again, thank you for coming on and uh, plug your stuff one more time, and we'll get out of here. Yeah, uh, at Red Nation Hoops. If you want to follow me on Twitter, uh, rednationhoops.com is the website. Uh, lots of great stuff. Lots of great posts there where you can read. Um, and the podcast is the Red Nation News podcast. Find it on iTunes and Stitcher. Awesome. Thanks again. Get home safe. And uh, <laughs> I'm sure I'll talk to you again soon. All right, man. Have a good time. All right. Thanks. Take care. Well, there you go, guys and gals. Salman Ali from the Red Hoops Nation. Um, thanks again for coming on. And I will talk to you guys next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>